You're listening to Medicinal Minutes with Megan Mazingo. Hey, Megan. Thank you for having me. Yes, I am so excited, guys. Um, This is the Medicinal Minutes with Megan Mazingo podcast, and I am absolutely thrilled to be here with my good, good friend, Lauren Egger. She is a mom. She's a wife. She is a spirit-filled artist, and I even have her beautiful artwork in my home. Um, Lauren, it is amazing to just talk to you and to be here with you. So thank you for being here for having me. I'm quite excited to be here and I just honor what you do and, and, and where God has uh, put you in the kingdom. I'm excited. Awesome. So today we're going to be talking about spirit filled friendships and spirit led friendships. And to Christianese, it sounds like Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us and all of those things, but really it's very it sounds weird. a little weird. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but it's way more practical. And so I'm I'm all about being practical as people learn how to flow from spirit from the from the spirit realm down and back and forth. Because here's the thing, y'all, we gotta learn how to live beyond the veil. Okay, yeah. Jesus tore that veil for us. We have full access now to the gifts, the talents, the inheritance that God has given us. And it's all linked to our identity. And in this podcast today, we're just going to be talking about how friendship, especially in Western churchianity, we've just kind of missed the mark and we've gotten it way wrong because of social contracts and because of all sorts of other pain, shame, trauma, living, playing small, not knowing our identity, not knowing where we where we land and who God has designed us to be and called us to be. So, um, Lauren, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on that. (laughs) There is so much to say on that. Um, I think just a little bit of background for me, I grew up in the deep South. I grew up, um, in a very well-known deep South denomination and, um, had great friends, great family who went there and, I was kind of the kid who was in church all the time. And so um, I feel like one thing that I didn't understand growing up that I do now is when you are a child or when you are growing spiritually, you learn very black and white, you know, don't, don't touch that. It's hot. Stay away. It's either going to burn you or it's not. But then as you get older, you are able to wrap your head around these abstract kind of the more abstract of like, is it cooling off and can I touch it now or is it warming up and it's about to get too hot? You know, you can, you can start to see other factors in between the black and the white and growing up though, I was very religious with how I thought about God and how I thought about his rules. And what I mean is I was very black and white. There was no kind of room. There was no room for God to work. Yeah. Within, within the truth that from his word that I was trying to live out and very sincerely trying to live out. Um, and so I, I was very like dogmatic and just very harsh about things on one hand. And then on the other hand, what I didn't know until in, until well into adulthood is that I grew up in a culture, and I think most of us do, if we're going to be quite honest, where our culture tells us and we believe it, 
that you truly are what you yeah. do. So if I admit to you, so Megan, yes. if, if we met and I was still in that old mindset, I was still in that immaturity, spiritual immaturity. And I admitted to you though, that I gossiped about somebody. Well, that meant I yeah. am a gossip. And because my legitimacy is tied to my actions and tied to my possessions and tied to my like social reachings, then I cannot be a gossip because it would bring me down on the rungs. So I'm going to get defensive. I'm going to justify myself. I'm going to do everything I can. Like, well, yeah, I may have said that about her, but. But it was, it was just, it was just, I don't know. And I would have played it off or I would have made excuses. And so I know for me, growing up and even into young adulthood, my friends were an outward status symbol that I felt like gave me worth. They added to my worth in society and they added to my value in society. So if this girl, Sally Joe over here, who's the rich kid, who's the involved kid, who's a, the smart kid, if she thought that I was worth it enough to be her friend, then I really was worth it. If she thought I was like rich enough or hoity-toity enough or whatever enough to be her friend, then I must really be that. So see how that legitimacy from outside sources utterly shaped my internal dialogue to myself. It shaped my reality. And then therefore it, it shaped my outside actions. And so like things that I believed growing up, like friendships that they contribute, you know, to our status and value that, um, my friends are there to serve me. So when you are the source, when you're not anchored in Christ and you're not anchored in his truth, that is a solid rock that's never going away. So it doesn't matter what tries to come and destroy it or waves hit it or something undermine it. It's a rock that is steady. That's never going away. But when you find your legitimacy outside of God, in any kind of form, it could be your work, it could be your family, your motherhood, your friends, like me. Um, you try to find your programs. Yes, yes. All when you things. try to find your legitimacy somewhere else, it is it constantly has to be fed. Okay, because there's no solid rock to it. It's a it's a sinking sand, and so I would also look at friendships and how I would look at how people fed me. And I didn't know it at the time. I didn't realize that's what I was doing, but I know now that's what I was doing. You know, in my maturity in Christ, yeah. I can look back and go, oh, like I had no clue. So it was very self-seeking. It's very, when you find your legitimacy outside of Christ, your motives, whether you realize it or not, become very self-seeking, very self-centered, very selfish. And then when people do not feed you like you intended them to or want them to or get desperate enough and need them to, then you get angry and you get rejecting and you get bitter. So then that's where that's so like, let's so like you and I are best friends. We are dear friends. But let's say let's like take us to high school, Lauren, college, Lauren, young adult, Lauren. Sure. Sure. where 
you're not, maybe, maybe you have got a new interest. Maybe God is like really expanding something in your life and you don't have the time for me like you used to. Well, I take that as rejection. So instead of coming to you and saying, you know what, my feelings, because it's not feeding me all the time, like it has been. So instead of coming to you and say, I really missed you. My feelings were hurt. You know, we like talk about this or even if I do do that, but I still don't get the feeding result that I'm looking for, for you, from you. Um, then it, it was very easy for me. I realize now to go to other friends that know you and gossip about you, because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get their agreement to make me feel better. Yeah. Megan really has been blowing us off. Like who does she like, like, that's like, I don't care. Like God never tells you to like leave your friends. Yeah. I mean, it was just stupid stuff like that. And so, um, so I'm going to pause you right there just for a quick second, because everything that you are describing is a social contract. Okay. Yeah. Might be a new word for some people here on the show. However, we do this in Christianity all the time. We put social contracts on people and then we get in resentment whenever they're not holding up the contract that we place them in against their will. We never give them the option to be a part of this or not. And so keep going with what you are, but that structure, everything that you're saying can be wrapped up in a very simple term called a social contract. And those social contracts we need to bring Holy Spirit into those social contracts so that we are not arcing and turning our light to an agreement that is not of God. So along the lines of social contract as well, and I've, I've been doing this for a long time and I know that you have too, but you and I like live a life where we are willing to take every truth that we've ever known, every truth that we've ever been told yep. that we have lived by Even if we were told it was biblical, even if it had biblical backing, I mean, every single thing that I've learned from my family, from my schools growing up, from my culture that I was surrounded in, from the Christian groups that I learned in, from the youth group that I grew up in, every single thing that I have learned, I have learned to go to God. And the way that I see it is I just go to the throne room, I go to his throne and I like take my notebook of stuff. And I just lay it at his feet and say, if any of this is not true, I want you to burn it up because I don't even want it. And then what is true? Like, show me the truth in it because see what happens in church culture a lot of times. And I don't even want to say church culture, Christian culture. A lot of times is see Satan is sneaky. And in revelation, it tells us to learn to test the word to test every spirit. And it says those who do not know how to test, even the elect will be deceived. And so if, if you have a truth with just a slight twist on it, then you're totally off trajectory 100% because with the Lord's truth, you're either on trajectory or you're not. And so, you know, it could be a, a lot of times for me, I thought that how I was interacting with my friends was like biblically based and yet it wasn't working. There was grinding and there was rejection and there was, you know, backstabbing and, 
and like nothing major. I mean, I had a precious group of friends growing up. I'm so thankful for them. I had an amazing group of friends in, in college, but like our humanness, our sin, you know, it was just always kind of this like underlying current of just junk, you know? And so um, a question, a question I have about this, when you said we have our underlining junk, how ri- living a spirit forward life, yeah. How do we get rid of that junk? How do we grow a little bit more? Because for someone who is yeah. not used to accessing Abba so quickly or moving behind the veil so quickly, yeah. Um, how do people start? Where do we start with this? The willingness to be repentant. And mm-hmm. I know that that sounds so gooby, but I will, I will explain it out. Not so gooby. I know that it sounds so redundant. Like we've heard that a million times, but the Holy Spirit told me yesterday, he goes, repentance is the fuel to the flow of God. Amen. Yeah. Because here's the deal. We don't know everything. Exactly. We don't, we see in part, we hear in part, we know in part. First yep. Corinthians 13 says that. And if we are willing to come to the Lord and say, you know what? I think I'm getting it wrong. I need, I need you. Um, what we start to understand is the more we come to God and we just say, okay, God, my life is not working. I need your help. When I first started that process years ago, Megan, I was terrified because, because my life was, I am what I do. So right. I I'm coming to you, Lord, telling you I've gossiped. I'm, I'm coming like I cliff, my husband and I cliff, we have a phenomenal testimony of incredible sin in our life. And I had to come to the Lord and say, I was an adulterer. And it took me like eight months to even admit that to the Lord, to speak it out because it meant that I really was. And I thought when I finally admitted that to the Lord, that he was literally just going to strike me down or he was just going to, and what I found was the biggest hug and the biggest grace and kind of this, he literally was like, finally, finally, you've admitted it to me now in my love and in my arms, we can move forward and I can, I can set you free. You know, I can heal those places that drove you to behaviors. I can heal the shame and take away the condemnation. I can, the, the lies are going out and the truth can start to come in, but it begins with our confession. It begins with our repentance. Also, I was so tired of the actions and consequences in my life that I was willing to change my actions in any way that I needed to, to get God. Like, Mm -hmm. because all of my ways had been burned. Nothing, nothing was working. I was at the end of my rope and God, you, you're start, I'm starting to read your word. I'm, I'm taking responsibility for my own walk with you. I'm not letting the pastor guide me or, or a Bible study guide me. Those are great. But like, ultimately my walk with him is, and was up to me. So I started reading the word and then I started realizing, wow, this is really true. Like if you're meeting all my needs, according to your glorious riches, then all these deeper things that Jesus was telling his disciples that they're going to go and do, and that the church is going to go and do, well, I want to do this too. And so it really was this beautiful unfolding, but it started and it still starts with repentance. And so a lot of times in friendships, 
and you and I have been through this, our friend group, we have been through this. Sometimes if we get triggered, meaning like something about our conversations or something about what I said to you, or you said to me, like it hurt, or it made me mad, or it made me frustrated that I take a step back now. And I go, okay, God, have I sinned? Like, Please check what my heart. Basically, take the plank out of my own eye because I need to see. I call it, we call it like testing your heart, you know? And mm-hmm. so, God, am I, am I trying to look to Megan to feed my legitimacy? Am I wanting something from her that I shouldn't be needing? It really should come from you. You know, different. I, and I go through the steps and I, and I just ask Lord, I need you to show me if I'm right or if I'm wrong and point out my sin. And if I, if I have sin, I ask for your forgiveness because I want to get it right. And then the Lord has, you know, led me to a place and led me to a maturity where I can come back to you and say, Megan, I got really triggered and I think I got short the other day. And the reason is, and it's not an excuse, but the reason is, and I didn't know, and I'm sorry. I took my issues out on you and I didn't realize it. And so it's, it is a beautiful process, but once again, it's, it's, so it is okay because my legitimacy is rooted in Christ. It is okay to be a sinner who was yeah. wanting to get better, you know? So when you were talking about the repentance piece and going to the throne room and, and asking father God, Hey, shine a light on me first. That way I can clean up my crud. And then move yeah. on from there. When I was engaging in the spirit the other day during prayer time, I went into the throne room of God wearing battle armor and the Holy Spirit said, Oh honey, you're not dressed appropriately to be in here. And she had this like, or Holy Spirit had this beautiful garment. It was like this beautiful dress. It was the cloak of humility. Because if you are in the throne room of God, you sure as heck better be adorned properly to be in that space with the most high God and wearing a cloak of humility underneath your battle armor is going to be so helpful. And you're only going to find that identity living spirit down, not white knuckling it. Like you were saying, um, this person's really great. I value some of the things that they have do express maybe some of their essences or even just their design. That could be something that you admire, but learning to put on the cloak of humility and learn to receive from father God, who you are, your identity, that's going to express and expand out into friendships. So a question I do have for you is how has how have you grown into your design that God has given you as a gift, as an inheritance? And how has that affected your friendships? I think it goes back to social contracts and finding your legitimacy in outside sources, because I'm a, I am naturally a good chameleon. I can fit in with, I love people. I'm a people person. And I love talking to people and I love telling them about God's truth. And because of that, I can fit in in short amount of times with a lot of different people, even if I'm necessarily not like that. So like Mm -hmm. at a big party, 
and have a great time with just about everybody in there. You know, there's always an exception or two. And um, so because I had been so burned by my sin, because I had been so burned by how I thought of friendships and the role I allowed them to play in my life. Like I allowed my friends to be my Holy spirit instead of going to God. Right. I allowed my friends to be my comforter instead of going to God. Um, I allowed them to, you know, to be my legitimacy. So because of that, I would try, I would like temper, like if, if a part of my personality was too bold for the group, I would try to temper it down. Mm-hmm. or I would try to step up in ways that I saw other people. I would try to step up in ways that I saw other people in the group responding to other people positively. So if there was like one person in the group who did X, Y, or Z really well, because that was her design, but it wasn't mm-hmm. mine. then I would try to be big in her design because I saw everybody right. else praising that, complimenting that, recognizing that. And I was like, oh, oh, well, I, I think that's what I need to be like. And I, you know, go over there and, and try to try to be somebody I'm not. So I have, because I have continued my own pursuit and walk with the Lord, I have really started to understand parts of my personality. And when like, when we talk about design, that's what we're talking about. Our personality, our likes and dislikes, our desires, the desires of our hearts, our preferences, you know, our strengths and weaknesses. And so as I grew with the Lord, I really started to understand, you know what? No, I'm designed to be big in these areas and I'm designed not naturally strong in these areas. So where I was really big, I asked the Lord, it was the same process as my sin. I asked the Lord, okay, God, I have a really big personality here. I lay it at your feet. What about this personality trait? Have I been doing correctly? That is Mm -hmm. it. That is your original design for my life. What about this personality trait? Have I been doing from the world's perspective that I've bought into the lie and I need to morph it. I need, I need to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, Jesus. And I need this personality trait to fit into the mold you created, not the mold I was trying to put it in, in the world. And, and then the, the weak parts of my life, the ones that I'm not naturally strong in, it's not an excuse to stay weak. Okay. So Lord, I have zero clue how to be X, Y, or Z but I have got to grow in the fruit of the spirit here. So I need you to teach me, please teach me how to, how to grow this and grow it properly. And he would, and he does. And so coming into godly spirit filled in alignment with God's word friendships, it gives you the space that is safe to where you can wrestle You can wrestle with your junk. You can wrestle with the harshness of life sometimes in a safe space and know that your friends are going to actually support you. They're not going to like whip you, (laughs) kind of pop you on the back and say, that's too much. It's out of like, it's out of line when really it's not. They just like, you know, this year has been just such a year of transition and I've had you and I both. Uh, have had incredible changes come to our life. And, you know, there've been some times that I just call you up and I am just 
blah, I mean, I just let it out. But you're not finding your legitimacy in me. So you don't take that as an attack. You don't take that as Lauren's mad at me. You don't take it the wrong way. You're just able to sit back and go, you know what? My friend just needs a safe space to dump right now because there's not a lot of other places to go. And I'm going to be that safe space. And then when I need refining, when I really am in the wrong, and I ask you that a lot, Megan, do you see something that I'm not seeing? Do you see sin in my life that I'm not seeing? You are a safe space. Godly friendships are a safe space to ask for iron sharpening iron moments because I know what you say is not only truth, but it's truth and love. And also I've walked with you long enough and the people who do speak into my life, who I allow to speak into my life and influence me, I have walked with them long enough to know that the fruit of their life matches, like their walk matches their talk through and through and that their character is rooted in Christ. And then the, then kind of the last part of that is anything that anybody ever tells you in a friendship, they're not your Holy Spirit. So if you'll tell me you're an iron sharpening iron mm-hmm. moment, then I will. And a, it'll, it normally bears witness with my soul. Yeah. I mean, with my spirit and my soul most of the time. And, but I'll take that in front of the Lord and just say, okay, God, if you know, help, like build this word out for me, help me understand it even f- more, more completely. Um, and if anything is not correct, then just let both of us know. And that's okay. You know? Um, and there's such a freedom in that too, because here's the thing, beautiful if, we freedom. Friendships, if we have friendships where they're saying, Hey, your design is too much for me. You need to be quiet. You need to be, you need to stop. That's essentially cursing their design, especially yeah. if they're intended to bring certain pieces to the masses or to individuals specifically. And they say, you're making me uncomfortable because your bigness is affecting my shame. Please stop taking those words said with humility, even if it's a false humility, we have to take those to the father and also not be a false burden bearer for people in our friendships. And so boundaries and friendships are so, so important. And when our spirit is able to come forward and lead, and when our, our servant person is very well active, um, with proper borders, we are yeah. able to be so much more effective in our friendships of pointing them back to truth and helping them yeah. hold their arms up whenever they're tired. I know that there's been seasons when you, I, our friend group Amen. has been so tired and the Lord yeah. sets the lonely in families. And sometimes that's not like an actual family family. It's a friend right. group, it's community and God's heart is about community. And it is about a space where every single person is able to be everything that God designed them to be living a hundred plus, not in the negative numbers and um, giving people the freedom to just do that. So, yeah, I feel like just godly friendships for me, especially because I, the way that I'm wired, I'm an outward processor and I'm very big. And so I don't have a lot of safe spaces in my life to come out in all my fullness and figure it out and talk it out. Cause I, I do talk things out a lot. And so 
these godly friendships God has given us have, have been that platform. I just see it like a really nice wrestling mat, but no one's wrestling. It's just like a safe padded place <laughs> to figure, figure hard stuff out, you know, and, and to grow and it's okay yeah. if we fall and it's okay if we make a mistake because our heart, our heart is for one another. And it's also to honor the Lord. First of all, we have Mordecai with us. He's, he's alive and kicking and awake. So, oh, um, I'm a mom, first and foremost, these podcasts are going to run about 30 minutes. So at least right now, um, Lauren, I would love to have you back on. You're listening to Medicinal Minutes with Megan Mazinga. Hey there, friend. Just a quick reminder, we are a crowdfunded podcast, which means that your donations help make this entire thing possible. So consider donating to the podcast so we can get this message out to more and more people. Blessings to you, friend.